we've been talking about going on the second mile. This is a, it's a three-week series that we're in. This is the third week, and uh, I want to finish some things up about this. Um, we've been calling it the, uh, the second mile. It's a, kind of it's based on, a, on a, something that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5. And since that was the, that great sermon on the mount. He was teaching about the, uh, this thing when, in, in, when he said go the second mile. It was in reference to a, a Roman law that said uh, any Jew that was called out by a soldier, they had to carry their gear. And I don't know what it, exactly what it was. Was it was their shield, their sword, their, their pack? I don't know what, what it was. But they had to, by law, carry it one mile and Jesus said, don't just go one mile, uh, go two miles. In other words, do more than you're required to do. Do more than you're required to do. Again, the law required one mile. Jesus said, go an extra mile. Um, just in, in a simple way, just as a simple way of thinking in, in terms of going the extra mile, uh, things like this. Uh, if you borrow somebody, somebody loans you their car and they have a, a quarter of a tank of gas in it, when you get done with it, and take it back, take it back with a full tank of gas. If somebody loans you a car and it's a little bit dirty, clean it up before you take it back. Amen? If you drive up to the church and you see some, oh, there's some trash over there in the, in the parking lot or something like that, make sure you come in here and let an usher know. No, go the extra mile and just take time to pick it up. Just go the extra mile. Don't just notice it. Just begin. Go do, do those extra things. You know, somebody says, well, you know, I don't really have enough money to put you know, gas in. In the, in, the, in the car or to get the car washed and things like this. I think sometimes when we have that kind of mentality, it makes me wonder, do we really understand God? Do we understand his principles? Do we understand what opens and closes the doors of the blessings of God? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, this is out of the New American Standard, Matthew 5, 40, says this, truly, truly I say unto you, um, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it unto me. And then five verses later, he said this, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. So in other words, according to this passage, whatever we do to someone else, whether it's good or bad, we're doing it as unto Jesus. I mean, that kind of gives, when I think in those, in those terms, it really causes me to, how I react with people just that I don't know and uh, you know, just sometimes in stores, people can be rude and things, and how I react to them, how am I reacting? If, I, if that were Jesus, not that Jesus would be rude, but still, he's a person. How would I, or she's a person, how would I respond to them? How would I respond to Christ? How do I respond? And I know we got to use wisdom, we got to use uh, discernment. Sometimes uh, uh, I used to always ignore uh, people that, you know, they're holding up the signs, we'll work for food, especially when you hear about people offer them, a, offer some of them a job and they, no, that'll cut into my, my profits. That'll cut into my, they don't want a job. They didn't want that. Not, and that's not everybody. So you got to use discernment. So I've tried to be more practical in that, knowing that how would I treat it? That was Jesus holding up a sign. So again, that's not saying that every time I go, but I'm, I'm more discerning. And, and that's not to say that I haven't given somebody some money and they've gone and bought liquor with it or gone and did something else with it. I don't know. But I tell you what, I'm not responsible for what they do with the money when I give it to them. But just being obedient when the Spirit of God says, give them some money. So listen to this. <clears throat> According, listen, when we really, we really need to get an understanding. We really need to have an understanding heart of what this second mile is all about. And I don't really, I don't want to finish this series up with, and, and leave a lot of questions out there. So I want to try to under, under, want you to understand some things. And, and last week I said when I closed today, I wanted to talk about 
uh, in closing this, I want to talk about that invitation uh, that Jesus gives us to go with him on the second mile. So we'll talk about this today. Look, to, if you would, in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 11. Turn to Matthew chapter 11 or click in your, your device to Matthew chapter 11. While you're turning there, let me tell you this little story. You know, when uh, Riley was just a little butterbean, she was just a little thing. I remember her sitting on, on the steps, and, and she, there's no way. She, you know, she was trying to put her shoes on, and she just, she, she, she couldn't. I don't think that, I, I don't know, how old was she probably then? 14, 15? A year and a half. So she was about a year and a half, about 18, I think she was about 18 months old, and she was trying to get her shoe on, and, and I, know, I saw the heel of it kept collapsing, and, you know, and she didn't know to put her little finger in there and pull that shoe back and then shove her foot in. She was trying to do that, and then they had shoestrings she had to tie to, um, and she was just trying to do it, and I said, Riley, you want me to help you? And she goes, no. You know, she could be a little bit like her mom. Um, she said, no, let me do it. And I said, okay, and so she's trying to get it on, and I said, Riley, you want me to help you? No, let me do it. And this went on about four or five times Riley, can I have, no, let me do it. And every time I say it, she'd get a little bit more frustrated with me. And finally, man, she just, and she kicked off the shoe. And I said, Riley, I said, do you want me to help you? Yes. I said, well, would you ask me to help me? Would you help me, Papa? And she called me Papa then. She said, will you help me, Papa? And I said, sure. I would. And see, that's just like God is. Sometimes we're not as wise as a little 18-month-old. Finally, when we come around and say, God, we need your help. We always think sometimes that we can be self-sufficient. We can do it all, all on our own. Listen, the things that God has called you and I to do, he's not called us to do it alone. In fact, what he's called, it should be so big that we can't do it alone. When Paul and I came down to, to Burlington, North Carolina to start a church, we knew coming down we could not do this alone. Started off the church that we came out of, uh, many of those were praying for us, and some of those even helped us financially to do that. We could not do that on our own. And when we came here, we can't, we can't do this church still today. We can't do this. We have to have help doing this. What God has called us to do is so big that we need help. What God's called you to do, you need help in doing those things. And here's the thing about the second mile. It's, it's not something, the second mile is not about more activity. It's not about harder work. It's about being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the second mile boils down to. In reality, the second mile is actually more peaceful because we let him take over. Did you hear that? I said the second mile is actually more peaceful. It's less stressful because we're doing it with him. We accept his invitation. In fact, by accepting his invitation, that's how we'll break that one-mile barrier. That one-miler Christian is kind of like that, just the, the cookie-cutter Christian. This is kind of what the average Christian does. You know, the average Christian just comes to church, and the, you know, that's it. And they're, they, you know, they, they're, they're good. They might pray over their food and stuff like that. But they're just average Christian things. That's kind of what the world thinks of us. But what is this invitation? What is this invitation that Jesus has invited us to? That's a great question. I heard somebody asking that. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, English Standard Version. This is Jesus. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the verses previous that are leading up to that, it says this. Jesus is talking, and he's, and he's praying, and he's talking to the Father. He says, Father, thank you that you've hidden the things from the wise, and you reveal those to, to people that the world considers childish. Or one translation says that the world considers them the foolish things. You resist the proud, and you give grace 
uh, to the humble. You freely give to those who recognize their need and, uh, and those who ask you for it. Just like when Riley asked for help, it was there. I wanted to help her. God wants us to call out to him. He wants to help us. So when Jesus gives us this invitation, again, let me read it to you. Come unto me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, an invitation that leads to everything that we need. This is an invitation that has everything that we need. When we walk with him, we find complete rest. We have complete rest in the midst of serving him. But notice there's three requirements in that invitation that Jesus gives us. First is come to him. In verse 28, verse 29 is take his yoke. And also in verse 29 is learn from him. And listen to what verse 30 says again. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, it's not more hectic. It's not more busy. Well, if I get on that second mile like the pastor's talking about, that just means I got to step up my game. I got to do more. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. So number one, let's look at these individually. Number one, the necessity of walking with Jesus is we must come to him. I said we must come to him. I love that Jesus doesn't start off this invitation with a bunch of do's and don'ts. Come unto me and don't do this and don't do this and do this and do this and do this and don't do this. You know that do's and don'ts kind of Christianity thing. He doesn't, come, he doesn't start with that. He starts with come. Come unto me. We'll do this together is what he's saying to us. I think sometimes we just try to look busy uh, for God. That way, if he sees us busy, he won't ask us to do something that we didn't really want to do anyway. But Lord, I'm busy. I'm, I'm doing this over here. You know, I'm cleaning, cleaning this table. But that's not exactly what God wants us to do. That thing, and if we and if we look busy enough, then we don't have to hear God ask us to do the things that we don't want. He came that we might have what? John ten ten. I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. But we have to come. We have to get it. We have to receive it. And that part of that. To receive it, it comes with that, that part of the abundant life, rest for your souls. Rest for your souls, that was in Matthew eleven twenty nine, But it isn't dispersed in little doses of here, like, like, like you, would, you would get medicine. It comes as a benefit of abiding in his presence. That rest that he gives is through abiding in his presence. Does that make sense? Make no mistake, listen. Coming to him is a step of faith. It's a step of faith. Like when we, we come to him to receive salvation, it's a step of faith. Especially if you're tired and weary and, uh, and you feel overwhelmed as it is. And if you come to him, he's just going to expect more, right? No, that's not, again, that's not what the second mile is all about. It really boils down to two categories of people, the willing and the unwilling. And what category do we fit in? What category do you fit in? Are you willing or are you unwilling? We must come where you must be willing to come. And again, it takes faith. It takes faith to go. I mean, I love these quotes by a pastor and author. His name is Richard Blackaby. He said this. These, I love these statements. He said, faith is not making your best plans than trusting God to bless them. That's not trusting God. That's using God. Faith, he's also said this, faith isn't crying out to God when your life falls apart. Faith isn't simply a last-ditch effort when you find yourself in circumstances out of your control. Listen, faith is an active obedience to God's will for our life. Faith is active obedience to God's will for our life. It's choosing to obey God when the circumstances around us seem impossible. Impossible to overcome. 
step out in faith with Moses. I think a lot of times Christians, they want to know what the will of God is, but first God is waiting on us. God is waiting on us to come unto him before he reveals his plan and his call to us. In other words, he's waiting, he's waiting on that person to demonstrate a willing heart, a heart of faith. Again, it takes faith before he reveals his plan to us. And when we come to him, we can't come to him with a divided heart. When I have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of heaven, an undivided heart. Listen to these verses that I'm going to read, the five verses that I just picked out that um, I want you to notice the, the place and the role that faith plays in these. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, again, talking about Jesus. He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith. And remember recently in a message where you talked about words that are interchangeable with faith is trust and belief. According to your trust, according to your belief, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Matthew 8, 13. And to the centurion, Jesus says, go, let it be done unto you as you have believed, as you've had faith, as you have trusted. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Matthew 9, 22, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Matthew 15, 28, then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your trust. Great is your belief. Be it done unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Last one is this, Mark chapter, Mark chapter 10, verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Faith, 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 faith is so important. Our trusting in God. And let me ask you this question. If God works in your life according to your faith, how much can he accomplish in your life? If God works in your life according to your faith, how much work can God do through your life? That's one of those things, man. It's good to just kind of think about, kind of bring up when we're in different situations. I love that Jesus reminded Martha of a promise that he had given to her. Jesus said to her, he said, didn't I tell you if you believed, if you trusted, if you had faith, that you would see the glory of God? Faith reveals the will of God. Faith reveals the glory of God. Doubt takes us from God's activity. Doubt and fear takes us from God's activity. When I'm in fear, I limit what God can do through me. When I'm in fear, when I'm in doubt, then I'm limiting what God can do through me. So number one thing that we have to do in our invitation is we must come to Him. Number two is Jesus tells us to take. Again, let me read that verse to you, Matthew 11, 28. 30, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus isn't telling us to take the yellow part of his egg. Take his yoke <laughs> upon you. <laughs> this, listen, this is when we really start seeing God doing things in our life. When we take his yoke upon us, this is when we start seeing God doing things in our life. This is where we enter into a relationship with him because we walk together with him because we know now because we're now yoked together with him. It's one thing to come to him. It's another thing to be yoked together with him. When people are moaning and groaning about you know, suffering for Jesus and I just can't take it anymore, where is the power of God in that? Where's the power of God in that? I just can't take it anymore. 
And I know, I mean, I, Paula didn't say those words, but I know, I know she's, she's been in extreme pain and stuff like in, this week. And, I, and, it's tough, and it's tough to take, so I'm not making fun of people that are going through difficult, difficult situations. But again, listen to this verse. I love this verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians 2, 9, the English Standard Version, for in Him. In who? In Him. In Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him. That's just not, yay, Jesus. That's yay, us. Let me listen to that again. For in Him, the whole fullness of the deity, don't you do that. In Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head and all rule and authority. My God, man, that's who, we, that's who we're invited to be yoked together with. To be yoked with Him, He's full. He's full of everything that we need. The word again, yoked together, again, when you think of that, think in terms of, of yaks. Uh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to push this up here myself. Okay. We think we figured that out last week. Uh, think of two oxen. If you've, you've never seen a yoke, anybody here, you've never seen a yoke that on an animal, that are two animals, two oxen are yoked together. I encourage you, if, you're, if you don't know that, take some time and, and press in a little bit. Go to Google and type uh, oxen yoked together, and you'll see images of two oxen up to, you know, teams of oxen yoked together. And you'll get the image of that, what it's to be, like to be yoked together with him. Sometimes it's not a matter of somebody being rebellious and say, not saying, I don't want to be yoked together with, with Christ. It's just that they don't know. They've never heard anything like this before. They've never heard about being yoked together with him. Listen, if, we walk the second, if we're to walk the second mile, uh, we must come to Christ Jesus and willingly take his yoke upon ourselves. Is not forced upon us. It's one thing to come to Jesus to be born again, but there comes a time when we must leave that childhood stage of our walk and engage in the work of the kingdom of God. I, let me say that again. There comes a time in our life when we come to him to be for salvation and we're saved, and it's time as we mature that we begin to get yoked with him to do the work of the kingdom of God. And again, that's come willingly. Come willingly. We're not made to. We're free to run around and do our own thing, or we're free to do his thing. And doing our thing without doing his thing will not lead to the rest that's available to us. When Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, that unless we take up our cross, unless we take up our cross and follow him, we cannot be his disciples. I want you to understand this. Understand that your cross is not referring to your burden to bear. Did you hear that? Your cross is not your burden to bear. It's your decision to pick up the Father's will for your life. Calvary was God's will. It was God's will for Jesus' life. It wasn't his cross to bear. It was his will. So when we talk about take up your cross, when Jesus tells us to take up our cross, he's saying take up the will of God for your life. Praise God. So again, number one, again, the necessity for walking. Uh, the second mile, we must first, we must come to him. Number two, we must take. And number three is uh, Matthew 29, take my yoke upon you and learn, learn from me. When we're connected to Jesus by taking the yoke, let me say that again. <clears throat> when we're connected to Jesus by taking his yoke, we're like young oxen who, who are yoked together with a mature ox. Again, you know, a, a young ox, oftentimes you could see this uh, in, in a, with 
oxen are out working, a young calf out, young ox, young uh, calf is out running around, and oftentimes the mother uh, ox is, is in the yoke doing the work, and the young oxen, again, he's free to frolic, frolic around and, and do his thing. But as that young ox matures, and then it, one day he will be yoked together with a mature ox, and he'll learn, he'll be taught that. And that's how we are, we're yoked together with Christ. He teaches us all of these things. We don't walk the second mile alone, we walk with Christ. He knows the road. Think about this. Jesus never complained. He never complained. He could have been born in a palace, but he chose a stable. He could have been raised uh, around uh, among uh, royalty, but he chose a carpenter's home. He could have enjoyed great wealth, but he chose poverty. He chose the second mile as his way of life. He gives us the invitation to join him. And again, listen to this. Here's our invitation one more time. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, for you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What wears us out? What makes us, what makes us heavy laden? It's when, it's, it's when we come to new life, but we're not yoked together with Christ. When we do our own thing. When we're not yoked with Him, it's easy to wander off and follow our own path. Something else is this, is your strength is sapped when your spiritual, and your spiritual growth will be greatly subdued when we're just doing our own thing and not yoked together with Him. Come unto me, take His invitation, be yoked with Him. Again, learn from Him, and He will give rest for our souls. Amen?